everyone. I'm Marina McTee, your video and podcast director for The Forum. Today, we have an episode for you from staff reporter Anthony Giorgio, who sat down with economics professor Michael Mamo to discuss the state of the economy in the U.S. because of the pandemic and what the economy might look like for graduating students. I hope you enjoy this episode of Office Hours. Back in, let's say, 2010 or 2015, uh, you know, very large numbers of unemployment were like when 200,000 people claim for unemployment. That was a huge number back, you know, before the pandemic era. Now we're looking at, you know, 745,000 and we, we take it as a sign of hope. So it's ironic, but 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 what you have to see, what you have to understand is the trend is actually declining. That was the voice of Professor Michael Mamo, chair of the economics department at Westminster College. Professor Mamo has been at Westminster College since 2002, so nearly two decades, and his areas of expertise are in economic inequality and public policy. On March 4th, he agreed to sit down with the Forum and Shaw to explain a little bit about how the COVID-19 pandemic has impacted the U.S. economy and what job prospects are for recent and future graduates. My name is Anthony Giorgio, staff reporter for the Forum and your host for this episode. Enjoy. How are you doing today, Professor? I'm doing fine. Thank you for inviting me. Could you give us... In a nutshell, what has happened to the U.S. economy since last March? Yeah, I mean, to say, to say the least, it's a devastation. The pandemic is a devastation on the economy. Of course, when we express the numbers, we're talking about millions and millions of people you know, losing their jobs, the GDP numbers you know, going under, uh, this is a sharp, a sharp uh, downturn in economic activity that has never been seen before. Uh, This is unprecedented uh, in the history of the macroeconomy. But despite the huge, uh, you know, uh, devastation, as I said, or a huge decrease in economic activity, the massive increase in unemployment, uh, things are or seems to be like turning around. Uh, Things are getting, getting better. If you ask exactly what uh, what has caused you know the turnaround, there are many reasons. I mean, right after you know the shutdown the economy back in March, as you know, the federal government uh, announced this massive uh, relief package for unemployment uh, compensation, as well as for small businesses. Uh, that was like a, I believe like two and a half trillion dollar worth. So two and a half trillion dollars of aid money have been pumping into this economy within the last year. That's, that's a huge amount of you know, uh, injection uh, into the economy, and that may have saved, that may have saved you know, a worst outcome that could have happened. So to those of the uninitiated, right, that don't study economics, that don't necessarily keep up with economic news, Uh, what are some of the indicators that economists are looking at to say how the economy is doing, things like the stock market, unemployment? What are those sort of metrics and how can we make sense of those? Yeah, that's that's a good question. When it comes to uh, metrics or indicators, 
of how things are, especially in the macroeconomy, in, in the national broader economy, uh, most important indicators at the moment are uh, these indicators of layoffs. Indicators of layoffs are announced every week. Every uh, It happens to be today, every Thursday. Uh, they are proxies for uh, layoffs, and they go by uh, new claims, initial claims for unemployment, and they break them down by state. And those numbers are pretty good indicators of the level of economic activity uh, that is underway at the moment. Now, it's really easy to see how numbers like unemployment would impact your average American. But Professor Mamo keys in on another idea of long-term interest rates, and that connection is a little bit harder to see, but he explains. The relationship is, is a little uh, obscure, but when interest rates go up, they, they indicate that whoever is owning the money is concerned about inflation coming in the near future. So they demand a higher interest rate in order to uh, lend their money to anyone. So that is when interest rates go up, you think the investors are thinking about inflation. So this is not uh, a good sign, but it is, it is what it is at the moment. At this point, it is some low signal of inflation. This prospect of inflation that people are looking at is the upward tick of long-term interest rates. When I say long-term interest rates, I'm talking about, for example, the 30-year mortgage rate is slightly you know, looking upward. And also the 10-year government bond is also rising you know, uh, to a certain extent. I mean, the number is still very, very low, but that interest rate is an indicator of things to come. The best way to think about interest rates is that it's a price that a person charges for using their money. One consideration that goes into that price is how much a lender expects that amount to be worth at the end of the lending period. With inflation, prices always go up. I could loan you $100 now, and if you pay me back in three years, $100 of 2024 money might only be worth $99 of 2021 money. I'd want you to pay me back a couple of extra dollars so that I haven't lost any money. So with these long-term interest rates, these financial institutions are saying, we're expecting money to be worth less in the future, so we're going to charge more. They're anticipating inflation, and they're anticipating inflation being worse than it is right now. Professor Mamo explains what the problem is with that in the macroeconomy. Now, the reason why this this could be bad, it's not we're not there yet, but the reason why this kind of mentality of expecting inflation in the near future is not a good sign is because of this. If everyone expects prices to go up, then everyone will change their behavior. If you are a lender or like a saver, like an investor, you demand a higher interest rate. If you are a property uh, renter, let's say landlord, uh, you will demand a higher rent when workers 
negotiate for their wages with a new contract with their employers. And if they are expecting inflation, they naturally will demand higher wages. So interest rates are high, uh, wages are high, and other prices like rent are high. This is the most terrible thing that can happen because the expectation of inflation will actually bring inflation. This is the self-fulfilling prophecy thing. So expectations could be bad. It's like a vicious circle because everybody's expecting inflation even if there is no inflation. If you expect inflation and it is in the minds of the public, that will uh, bring inflation for sure. And this is what they're concerned about. Yes. As I spoke further with Professor Mamo, another one of those pesky themes of pandemic economics came up, which was that of inequality. He explained that many states have suffered greatly, states like Florida and Nevada, who rely heavily on tourism. Other states like Utah and Idaho didn't really suffer a loss of revenue due to the pandemic. And in fact, some states came out better because of the government relief plans. So what I asked Professor Mamo about was how the pandemic has impacted inequality in our economy, not only in that macroeconomic level, but also in the personal level of different professional and job sectors, uh, racial demographics, you know, all of those terrible things we've been hearing in the news. This is what he had to say. One thing is for sure, I mean, much of the recovery uh, has never been uniform. There is a lot of disparity, or there is a lot of divergence in the way, you know, economies uh, recovered over the last, you know, maybe 12 something months. Uh, obviously, the most important explanation is the the effect of the pandemic is specific to industries and economic activities. And obviously, if you are in you know a technology-oriented industry, uh, as you as you know, for example, uh, we have got uh, you know companies like Tesla and the Amazon and many other technology companies uh, have actually gained a lot, you know, because of, uh, not in spite of, but because of the pandemic, they, uh, they gained a lot, which also means, you know, people who work in those kind of industries, in those activities, uh, have never been affected uh, seriously uh, and significantly by the pandemic. Uh, uh, most of the uh, the jobs have continued, you know, even even if it is from a distance, uh, people have continued to do their jobs, and uh, that that by itself is one reason why there is a lack of uniformity in the way the pandemic affected, uh, you know, the real economy. By contrast, uh, if you look at the the people that are. Uh, you know, employed by the leisure or the you know, hospitality industries, uh, those are people that are low income. Okay, these are low income people, and uh, you know, 
most of them are probably are also racial uh, minorities. And those are disproportionately affected negatively by the, the downturn. So when you add on top of this, the fact that the, the, the pandemic itself, the virus has affected this same group of people disproportionately, then you have like this double uh, uh, sort of effect of the pandemic as well as the economy on this uh, groups of people. Yes, it is actually uh, far from being uniform. It has actually made the inequality worse by making the uh, low income and the, uh, the low wage earners you know, to be affected by more significantly than the high wage earners. What is the forecast for the coming year? Let's say, where do you expect to be and what do you expect to have seen by March of 2022? People use this metaphor of, you know, V-shaped or, you know, some other shaped uh, recovery. It turns out the recovery has actually long tail because it's actually taking longer than we thought it would to recover. We still have, you know, you know, a huge number of people that are unable to get back to their jobs. If you look at the travel industry, but by the way, it's still not recovered well. If you look at the hotels and the, you know, hospitality kind of, you know, activities and everything that is related to them, uh, they are still uh, in a shutdown mode. Most indications are the economy is approaching the pre-pandemic uh, level. The, if you look at, for example, the one I said is the uh, initial claims for unemployment. Uh, those numbers don't look good. Like I said, you know, they're still, you know, high. Back in, let's say, 2010 or 2015, uh, you know, very large numbers of unemployment were like when 200,000 people claim for unemployment. That was a huge number back, you know, before the pandemic era. Now we're looking at you know 745,000, and we we take it as a sign of hope. And also, it's ironic, but 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 what you have to see, what you have to understand is, the trend is actually declining. It's a declining trend, and the economy is actually generating new jobs. People are being recalled, you know, back to work. Uh, of course. Uh, the, the loss of jobs is still underway, but not as bad as it was, you know, let's say a year ago. So that is what is, you know, underway right now. So for people who are expecting to graduate this May and enter the job market, or people even in my case who are expecting to graduate next May, um, what are some of the things that we can expect based on these projections of the economy. Yes. I mean, on, on average, you know, for, for most people, uh, I, I would say, you know, things are much better than they were last year. If you were to graduate last year, you know, it, it was really one of the worst times uh, to join the labor market. But things are much better now. They are much better. Remember, despite the huge unemployment claims this week, uh, companies are still hiring. There are a good deal of, you know, uh, uh, companies that are actually hiring. Uh, if you look around, I'm sure you may have noticed this uh, help wanted index, the help wanted signs in many places. And the index itself, 
the help wanted index itself is actually showing signs of where it was before the pandemic. So that is a good sign, you know. And of course, it matters, you know, where you, what, you, what, what you're training or what your industry is, whether you were in, uh, let's say, technology intensive type of job, or you're looking for, uh, uh, let's say, uh, in sports stadiums or uh, entertainment industries, you know, the prospect of finding a productive and a gainful job is different from one industry to another. Uh, but I, you know, for the most part, I would expect a much improved economy this May than it was last year. And pretty soon, we're going to get back to where we were yeah. in the pre-pandemic era. That's very reassuring. And then, yeah, is there anything you'd like to add to anything you've said here today? Yeah, yeah like I said, you know, uh, you know still uh, we're looking at the making of two huge uh, forces, uh, you know, pretty sure in the next few months, you know, as they said, you know, by the, the end of May or the beginning of the summer, the supply of vaccine uh, should be enough to everyone in the country. I think Utah announced today that everyone above 50 are now eligible to get the vaccination. And uh, that's a sign of hope. So with with the, uh, the availability of the vaccine uh, and and hopefully with this new round of uh, relief package, we should be able to see every school in the country uh, will be opened. And uh, most of most economic activity will go back to normal. And, uh, uh, you know, things that have been slowing down or things that, oh, that, have, uh, that have gone under have the good probability of coming back. Yeah. You know, so we should be able to see full stadiums. We should be able to see uh, movie theaters and, uh, you know, schools everywhere are in full operation mode probably by the end of the summer, I would expect you know, things to get back to normal. So well, I cannot thank you enough. Thank you. And thank uh, you for having me. I really appreciate this opportunity. I hope we can do more of this yeah. in the future. Yeah, okay. I hope, you know, when things are a little bit uh, safer from a public health standpoint, we can get you in the studio and have the, yes. full, have the full experience with the monitoring headphones and all of that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I would like to have that. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I'm in a profession where uh, you like to, you know, open conversation on almost every topic with your colleagues, with your students, with with the public, whenever the opportunity arises. And this is one of them. And I like that. Thank you for having me. And. Uh, hopefully this will make a difference and people will have uh, things to talk about, maybe to ask, you know, who knows, so we'll see. All right, thank you, thank you. Thank you very much, Anthony. Okay. So that was Dr. Mamo's assessment of where we're going to be by May, by a year from May. I mean, we're a year into this thing, and we're still having these conversations, and I imagine we'll be having these conversations for years to come. But for now, let's take some solace in the fact that at least uh, The Economist 
and the uh, public health people are all saying optimistic things. You know, when uh, Dr. Michael Mamo and Dr. Han Kim can agree that we're in a good place, maybe we're in a good place. I don't know. That's just me. Before I go, I just want to say thank you again to Dr. Mamo. Uh, thank you to all of the editors at the forum, to the advisor, Matt Baker. And uh, I would just encourage you all to, next time you see a copy of the forum, please pick one up. Uh, we have so many of them. We need help getting rid of them. Please take them. Take five. Send one to your grandma. I, I don't care. Just get them out. We need them gone. But uh, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time on the forum. This is Anthony Giorgio signing off.